Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello, welcome to GCSE English Revision Pod. It is the last day of term. Huzzah! And I'm sure like you could not be happier. We're going to be rapid today. We're going to be so fast because we've got two podcasts to record and not a huge amount of time. Now, if you are... Uh, joining us and have not listened to our Inspectacles podcast before, I would recommend that you go back and listen to the other ones first. The reason being, we are going to really power through these ones today. We're essentially just going to give you what we would say in the essay. No uh, no messing around, no small talk. So it might be good to go back and listen to the previous three Inspectacles podcasts uh, in order to get your get some wider understanding of the play before yep. we go into this we've, one. We've already done, if you haven't listened already, one on Sheila, one on class divisions, and the most important one on the inspector. Brilliant. And then that brings us on to our guess. What is our first Inspector Calls pod- uh, in- <laughs> podcast well, today? It's the, well, let's call it episode four on Inspector Calls we're looking at today. Um, we're going to look at one of the harder character questions. It's on Eva Smith. Okay. And that's, of course, harder because um, she doesn't appear in the play. She um, doesn't ever show her and face. And yet she's very important. So the question we're going to look mm. at is, what do you think is the importance of Eva Smith and an Inspector Calls, and how does Priestley present her? Yep. Sounds good. Let's get straight into it. So straight into our thesis. Um, she is, a, she is, although she never appears on stage, a very important character. One thing you've got to be aware of if you are revising by watching the BBC film adaptation of it, um, mm. there are don't don't. I mean, my <laughs> advice would be just read the play because there are some confusing things that, because that actually shows her. And I think the whole one of the important things structure about the play is that we never see her. So yes. my thesis is something along these lines. Remember, a thesis is all about setting up an introduction that that encapsulates your argument, that shows the examiner you have an opinion. So you don't just say, who is Eva Smith? You tell me, why does Priestley have her in the play? What does she represent? What's her function in the play? As mm-hmm. soon as you're engaging with those kind of questions, you're accessing the higher mark. You're setting up an interesting essay. So, my thesis is as follows. J.B. Priestley's 1945 play, An Inspector Calls, centres on the ramifications of the tragic suicide of a young working-class girl, Eva Smith. By the end of the play, she comes to function as a symbol through which Priestley deconstructs the inherent selfishness of socially conservative worldviews, highlighting the need for meaningful societal change in the aftermath of the Second World War. Good. So basically, Eva Smith is crucial because she maps out everything that Priestley sees. What happens to her represents everything that Priestley sees as wrong with the world and everything he thinks needs to yeah. change. She becomes a symbol of all of the vulnerable working classes. All of the people who suffered. Yeah, that Priestley believes need to be supported. Okay. So, quite a simple thesis for this essay, and hopefully that will run through our topic sentences. Mm-hmm. So, I'd probably start by jumping straight in here and looking at her vulnerability. So, Priestley presents the vulnerability of Eva Smith through the actions of the upper middle class Burlings and the aristocrat Gerald Croft. That's your first topic sentence. Yeah, going straight in with it. Because I think what we need to look at to start with is how she's a victim. Yeah. So, I think this is crucial. Before we can look at her symbolism, her her, fu- her symbolic function in the play, I think we need to look at the... Uh, at 
how how people treat her. So mm-hmm. I think the inspector is perhaps the best one to quote here. In Act 1, he shocks the Burlings with this description of her tragic suicide. He says, two hours ago, a young woman died in the infirmary. He tells them this before adding that it burnt her inside out, of course. And then he emphasises her agony in which she died. That's interesting, isn't it? Because Priestley could have made her die in a quick and painless way. She would have still been dead, but she could have died without suffering. Why did Priestley make her death so brutal? Yeah, well, I think the challenge we've said before with an inspector calls is always getting that really knit, getting into that detailed language analysis. It's so it, the, the language is a little bit simpler than perhaps in your other texts. Yeah. And so you've really got to... So I think here I'm looking at the connotations of the verb burnt, because literally this engages with the horrors of her final moments, this kind of visceral reality mm. of what she's experienced. So visceral meaning bodily. Shout out to our sponsors at Visceral, yeah. <laughs> Seem to say it every week. Yeah. Um, but there is this, there's, there's this real visceral violence in that verb burnt that emphasises both the literal horror of what she experienced, but also how figuratively... She has been burnt by the Burlings. She's fired by Mr. Burling. She's fired because of Sheila. She's rejected by Gerald. She's rejected by Mrs. Burling. And and she's even raped by Eric. Mm-hmm. So what we could see this moment here is that Priestley is highlighting how um, her death in some way becomes a symbol of, of, of how she's treated in life. Of how she suffered through her life. She, her insides were burnt, but before she'd even drunk the bleach she'd been burnt by the terrible treatment of the, uh, of the upper yeah. and middle so, classes so it's in many ways a, a great kind of example to kind of highlight her vulnerability yeah and I think she's also another thing to be looking at is how she is reduced to a sexual object as well showing her vulnerability not simply as a working class um, individual, but also as a working class woman. Right. So there, there's, this runs throughout the whole play. So um, we're told by Gerald that old Joe Megotti had wedged her into the corner with that obscene fat carcass of his. Implying that she was seen as just this object to be abused and taken advantage yeah. of by people because they had money and status. Yeah, and there's that zoomorphic associations of carcass. There's something kind of animalistic about it. The, and the metaphorical idea of her being wedged in, unable to escape, as if she's kind of his prey, he's preying on her. Mm. And, 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 and even Gerald recognised that their affair was inevitable and yeah. that she was grateful. Again, highlighting the power dynamic, her vulnerability in the face of these powerful men. So even when she's being treated, and I say this in inverted commas, nicely by Gerald, she's still being burnt. That, that, her death is still symbolic. That even when yeah, the people he... of the upper middle class has treated her better, if you like... Well, I don't... Well, I think it just shows the power dynamic more than anything. Yeah. The, fact that, the fact that Gerald recognises their affair was inevitable highlights this, this assumption, this presumption that because of his social status, because of his money, he almost has the right to, uh, to, to have that kind of a, a relationship with yeah. it, it, it's, it's It's quite misogynistic in its connotations. Then, of course, let's go even further. Eric's justification of his rape. Mm. He says he was in the state when a chap easily turns nasty. Yeah. The, the juxtaposition here of the friendly associations of chap with its uh, connotations of kind of uh, you know an upper middle class nice young man, yeah. but perhaps connotations of the schoolyard banter that you might have got in later Wardian society, calling each other chaps. Yeah, and yet and the, the violent connotations of nasty and threatened, and also what these euphemistically stand in for. Because he says he threatened to make a row, but this is a euphemistic expression suggestive of a verbal argument when really he's alluding to physical and sexual abuse yeah and of course whilst we must acknowledge that for contemporary audiences and certainly for in Edwardian society what he did would not necessarily be prosecuted as rape yeah certainly uh, certainly in light of the, of, the, of the 21st century values you know it is unconsensual sex and yeah. and there's something deeply problematic and deeply troubling about mm. Eric's Reduction of her to, um, to to this thing, and the, the inspector picks up on this. There's a the final point on her vulnerability. The inspector says at the end how Eric used her for the end of a stupid, drunken evening, as if she were an animal, a thing. So, I mean, that verb "used" is is 
horrible when yeah. you really think through the the real associations of that word yeah. used um, as if she is just a, a thing. So throughout, really, throughout that first paragraph, through the representation of her death, through the treatment of Gerald and Eric and the uh, the rest of the Burlings, we see this terrible abuse of someone simply because they could, in a way, simply because their positions in society allowed them to treat her in this terrible way, and therefore they did. Yeah. They, they showed no, no care for her. Well, beyond perhaps a little bit Gerald, although even that's problematic, I think. They, yeah. they showed no care for her, really, as a person or an individual, and they just took what they wanted yeah. from her. And I think at the end of any paragraph, you want to come back to see what is Priestley saying. You want to zoom out and think about the author. So yeah. in terms of what Priestley's saying here, what he's showing is the, the power dynamic and how, of course, the working classes were vulnerable to, to, to this imbalance of power in late Edwardian society. Yes, so I think our next paragraph then, we need to look at attitudes towards Eva Smith. So we've looked at her vulnerability. Now we need to look at how do people perceive her. Mm. So as the play progresses, it soon becomes apparent that the different attitudes towards Eva Smith in the play come to represent the different attitudes towards the poor. Okay. So what we're looking at here, therefore, is the older generation, how they see her, the younger generation, how they see her, and what this shows, what Proust is engaging with about societal attitudes towards the poor. So let's start with Mr. Burling. He talks of labour costs. Mm. What's, what's the immediate effect of that? You know, <laughs> he doesn't want his labour costs to increase. He what? wants the numbers on his spreadsheet. He doesn't yeah. think about the people. He doesn't think about their hopes and dreams and their fears. He thinks about the fact that they are a number on a spreadsheet. Their wages are a number, and he wants that number to be smaller. like how I see my year elevens. Yeah. Um, so or the way de- you see your department. Right? <laughs> All the way I see my department. Yeah. So he's dehumanising. He's objectifying her. He's reducing her to her function working in his factory. Yeah. And in a way, he's glossing over her humanity. Well, the word that's fascinating there is duty as well. He says that before, doesn't he? That it's yeah. my duty to keep labour costs. As if he has some duty to this abstract notion of money yeah. that that is, is greater than his notion to human capital. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but and of course, Sheila, by contrast, this encapsulates the different attitudes. Sheila mm-hmm. says in response, "Girls aren't cheap labour." their people. That's a fantastic quote there because I think what you've got are the juxtaposition between the values of capitalism and socialism. In one tiny little quote from Sheila, you've got the idea of people like um, Berling and Gerald who believe these girls are uh, cheap labour. And then you've got Sheila who says they're people. And although it's one of the most simple things she could have possibly said, they're people... She's actually encapsulating what is quite a complicated idea for Mr. Yeah. Burling and Gerald. They, they don't see that. They well, don't understand that. Do you want a fancy way of saying it? I've put this word in your sheet. You could say she deconstructs his reification. So mm. of of um, that's probably how I would have said it. Of yeah. Eva Smith as as cheap labour, because of course um, reification is when you turn an idea into a thing. Of course. And so the the, the idea that actually the lab, you know that the, the capitalism that the economic system is a, a thing that exists that that cheap labour is a th- is a thing rather than people yeah. is, is, is missing the humanity of it all so mm. what she does is she shows him the reality that his employees are not this abstract idea they, they are real people yeah um, and this really acknowledges the intergenerational differences the idea that for Priestley the young seem to be able to recognise the struggles um, that the old generation cannot mm-hmm. so we can also look at the reactions to the inspector's interrogation so after encountering the inspector Sheila becomes more penitent and contrite so these words are on your sheet, but again, the idea that she feels sorry for what she's done. Mm. And this social and moral epiphany, another great word, we're going to hit you with some words today, okay. again, meaning she transforms, um, is most apparent in her use of sarcasm when responding to her parents. When, um, when they realise that the inspector may not be real, she says, I suppose we're all nice people now. 
And then she firmly admits her own guilt by saying, we killed her. And actually, I just thought there with those Sheila quotes, what's, students might be tempted to shy away from very simple quotes, thinking, oh, well, that's really simple, there's not much to say about it. But sometimes the simplicity itself is the thing you analyse. Sheila's, the directness of Sheila's words, we killed her. You can analyse that because while the rest of the family are trying to complicate the issue and say, oh, maybe we did this, you know, perhaps we're not to blame, da-da-da-da-da, Sheila's, the simplicity of Sheila's language is actually what is effective yeah. in that moment. And even better, if you can mirror that AO2 by looking at the stage directions here, um, you know, uh, Priestley notes how she shivers and speaks tensely, so that she's been physically moved, not just emotionally moved, that she's been physically affected by this encounter. Yeah. She's really kind of taken it to heart. Mm. Um, Eric, likewise, for all of all of his wrongdoings, for because um, of course he's the only character in the play who commits a criminal act. Yeah. And let's be clear for that, for an Edwardian audience, that criminal act would be stealing from his father, not necessarily raping Eva Smith. It's terrible, isn't but, it? Um, yeah. But he he is repentant and remorseful. He says he can't see it like his parents do yeah um, and he says you're beginning to pretend now that nothing's really happened he shouts at his parents again mm. the pronouns here is a very simple point this, this juxtaposition between the you and the us the younger and the older generation the so old- to bring sorry so the older generation being yeah. intransigent, being un- unwilling to change. The younger generation, um, in their attitudes towards Eva Smith, symbolising how, for Priestley, he felt hope that attitudes towards the lower classes mm. would change. It's the attitude of Sheila and Eric that represents a more positive future. The idea that people can learn from their mistakes and grow yeah. and become better people is, for Priestley, what the whole world needs to yeah. do. And we're not going to dwell on it too much now, because we've talked about it in other podcasts, but you could link this, of course, to how he perhaps saw that hope in 1945, with the with, the, with Clement Attlee becoming the first Labour Prime Minister, mm. and with the first you know, Labour government, the, bringing, the, the introduction of the NHS, and various other more socialist Absolutely. reforms. All that information is on previous podcasts, which you will have to go back to and listen to in order to get that. So, final paragraph. Mm. As we're going to wrap it up nice and quickly today, I think we need to look at the inspector's use of her. And this is a paragraph that you're going to, you might start to notice. You can use in loads of essays. Every essay, pretty much. <laughs> every, every, most theme essays. Yes. Uh, not all character no, essays, no, true, but certainly, um, so certainly an essay on 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 capitalism, an essay on mm. selfishness, an essay on the message, any of those things, or an essay on the inspector. You can talk about the inspector's final speech. Mm. If you use the same edition as us students, it's on page fifty-six. Um, and the, the topic sense we could have is. However, perhaps the most important function of Eva Smith becomes apparent in the inspector's final speech, when she's transformed into an everyman figure as the play descends into allegory. So when Eva Smith moves from... When it moves from the story of Eva Smith to um, the story of the world, if you like, yeah. to, the, to the representation of everything and everyone yeah. that so currently exists. Two words we need to make sure students know. An everyman figure is someone who represents everyone. If you're interested, it's from medieval morality plays, um, but we won't go into that now because we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, uh, so an everyman figure means she represents every working class character. An allegory is a story with a hidden message when um, it seems to be about one thing, but actually it's teaching us about something far bigger. Mm-hmm. So I think let's start off by talking about how Priestley plays upon the connotations of her name. Eva, of course, with its clear suggestion of Eve in the Bible, the first woman in the Christian tradition. Similarly, Smith, one of the most common surnames in the first half of the 20th century. Right. And this idea becomes explicit when the inspector says, there are millions and millions and millions of Eva Smiths and John Smiths still left with us with their lives, their hopes and fears intertwined with our lives. Mm. So she's transformed here into a symbol. Um, and also think about the metaphor here, that the metaphorical idea of them intertwined with our lives, like threads tangled together, together, like a rope. Mm. Suggesting, of course, that like a rope, um, individual threads are weak on their own, but when you wind them together into a rope, it, you create something that's strong. Right. So I think it's a very interesting metaphor about the social classes because it implies that actually we are stronger together than alone. Yes. 
And it also seems to build upon Sheila's earlier metaphor about um, the Burlings building a wall between themselves and the lower classes, and mm. they need to break down that wall. As the inspector does. As the inspector does. That Therefore, Eva Smith is transformed into this symbol of the need for societal cohesion. For, for everyone for, coming for together everyone coming to together. change, to stop being so capitalist. Yeah. And you might want to finish therefore by looking at the apocalyptic imagery that he says that what happened if, pe- if people like Edith Smith are not protected. He talks about the fire and blood and anguish, mm. which is something for audiences in 1945, a bit of AO3, would be evocative of the two world wars that they'd li- lived through, as, along with kind of obviously apocalypse, the kind of hell of hell and the yeah. apocalypse. The fire, the blood, the anguish. So the suggestion therefore, the real importance of Eva Smith in, in this power, if we could argue, is she becomes, she becomes a symbol of the, of, of the very people in society we need to protect the most mm-hmm. and she becomes a vehicle in, in the inspector's language of, 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 of what, will ha- what would happen if we don't protect people like her the horrors that we would live through and of, course, and of course for an audience in 1945 they would have seen these horrors these things came to be true if I can just chuck in an alternative paragraph that students could mention as well this, this won't be on the handout but just something you can think about there's an interesting argument to be made also that uh, Eva Smith is the only character in the play who actually behaves with moral integrity and does the right thing or consistently does the right thing. And when you consider the way people like Mrs. Burling talk about her, that's particularly ironic because they're talking about her as this lower class person who, of course, she would accept money. Girls of that class, you know, they've got no quality to them. And actually, Eva's the one who, the only one in the play who behaves with moral integrity, right? She stops taking the money when she finds out it's stolen. She very kindly allows Gerald to end their affair without making a fuss. She does all of these things that seem to be born of niceness and a good quality of person, and yet she's the one who's demonised by the Burlings as not a good person. Just an alternative thing you could think about chucking in there as well. And however you structure it, you want to make sure you come back to your thesis and your conclusion, thinking, what is Priestley ultimately saying about society? What, how, does he, how does Eva Smith tie in with his didactic message? Yeah, always the didactic message. Always what is he trying to teach us about society? Right, follow Done. us on at GRevisionPod at, on, at Twitter. <laughs> Email us at EnglishRevisionPods at gmail.com. Exactly, and have a wonderful half-term. Revise hard. Not half-term.